The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Thursday, January 18th, and today is Get to Know Your Customers Day, because everyone loves a good custy. It's also National Michigan... What's that? Custies. Yes, we love custies. It's also National Michigan Day for everybody in Ohio. It's also National Thesaurus (laughs) Day, National Peking Duck Day, and Rico... Zozo's going to love this one. It is National Winnie the Pooh Day today. Well, uh, we were watching we were watching Pooh Bear last uh, um, last night. See, look at Come that, bro. You were you celebrating early. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can look down below on your screen to see where we live on the internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on our very own website at www.hyatt9news.com. But kicking it off today, that's right. We're going to start it off with the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico Lamite, who is wearing a very, very fashionable army green today looking like he should be in a camouflage action thriller that's right it is none other than the dope dad himself rico lamite appreciate that jason you know about that action yeah action speaking about action man um california ain't about that action they don't want it when it comes to research at least because over the last uh, few years, we've seen an unprecedented amount of cannabis-focused academic studies published. And I think it's safe to say that um, an overwhelming majority of Americans believe that more research is good. And it doesn't matter which side of the legalization debate you're on for or against. With more and more states moving forward on decriminalization or legalization uh, and the fate of major federal decisions coming up, are hanging in the balance, the more accredited data available to make a case one way or the other, the better. Wouldn't you agree, Jason? Yeah, yeah. Sure. More data, good? Yeah. So um, as the longstanding leader in the psychedelic and cannabinoid study arena, you think California would have its shit together. Leading conversations with the FDA, HHS, DEA, and whoever or whatever other federal agency may have questions about the plant. Apparently, at least for now, you'd be thinking wrong because SF Gates Lester Black reported this morning that schools like UCSF and UCSD have conducted groundbreaking drug research and Bay Area technology companies are actively developing new psychedelic uh, psychedelic therapies. But California's leadership position is in jeopardy thanks to an obscure government body almost nobody has even heard of. For the article, the Research Advisory Panel of California, which is legally required to sign off on nearly every clinical trial on drugs in the state, has not met for nearly six months, delaying the review of dozens of new California studies on drugs, including LSD and cannabis, according to independent newsletter and community Psychedelic Alpha. The panic, uh, excuse me, the panel canceled its last two meetings of 2023 and has not convened since July. The agenda from the last canceled meeting listed 16 studies awaiting review, 
including four from UCSF, three from UCLA, and one from Stanford. Studies that go in front of the state panel have already been approved by the appropriate federal agencies, including the FDA and DEA. So what's the holdup? Even though the feds greenlit these studies, they legally cannot move forward before the state panel meets and reviews them, or bureaucracy. California Attorney General Rob Bonta oversees the panel's work, and in an email response to SFGate's inquiry, a spokesperson for Bonta said that they didn't they did not specifically explain why the final two meetings of 2023 were canceled but vaguely blamed the logjam on a procedural issue related to California's open meetings law okay uh, and the state government's working on a legislative solution that it hopes will resolve the issue by the end of 2024 sounds like a bunch of malarkey to me I'll tell you that much, but uh, with California continuously claiming to be the nation's North Star when it comes to legislative progress, you'd think cannabis research of all issues would be the one place we'd want to remain at the forefront of. But I'm no policy expert. I am Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for High 9 News, a concerned California citizen wanting to know where all these damn tax, tax dollars are supposedly, uh, that are supposedly supporting these studies. Where is that money going to? What do you think the holdup is, team? Well, I mean, is anyone surprised by this? And I thought, I thought part of going to college was the the opportunity to be able to experiment and try drugs. That was part of the whole whole deal of going to college. Am I don't know. Am I wrong? This is a problem with bureaucracy. And these agencies. I mean, if they're saying, "Oh, it's an obscure law," okay, well, why is it on the books? Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should go back to the legislature and wipe some of this stupid shit out. Right. And people do not understand how much these administrative agencies have control over basically everything that happens in at government, state and federal. It's just incredible. I think that um, what it really boils down to is the fact that they know Californians don't check on anything. Look how much of your tax dollars they've stolen already. Mm -hmm. So to them, it's just like... Just do it over here. We've been doing it over there. The railroad, railway, everything you could think of, homelessness, homeless encampments, homes and <laughs> for the homeless. I mean, you just think about how many ways California has effed. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's citizens. You could just, just add more to it. And now you're just now finding out. They haven't showed up for months. California does. Yep. Yep. I mean, we've been all getting, getting screwed over here royally. In Cal and even even just the last story that we talked about about Gavin Newsom wanting to borrow that hundred million from our from 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 the cannabis tax coffers, he's basically just right. jacking that has no intention of paying it back or whatnot. And yeah, we just keep on getting screwed. What do you think about this one, Yaro? Are you a fan of Bonta and Bonta's response oh, here? Boy, I, I mean, I don't think on this one I actually. Oh, no, enough to knows. be valuable. Oh, boy. Hey, I just want to say something. This is just on topic, but off topic. For all of you who's watching, my this brother Yaro, I had to go. I'm serious. I had to go and get another mic and send him another mic because the post office informed me that the mic that was sent to him was tampered with. The box was open. In fact, when the mic came back, it came back with parts missing from it. I literally had to do FedEx because post office in California, it isn't safe either. I mean, I don't think I don't think it's just the post office. It's anything in California is not safe. Well, I don't know. Euro, you should have your package by FedEx tomorrow. Please inform me if it doesn't come. Thank you. I, <laughs> I appreciate you. And uh, I've got I a brand new mic. We got to stick to the story. We got to stick to the story right now. We got to stick to the story. We got on the time frame. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know enough to be valuable on this particular story. I know enough about California and the lack of efficiencies. Uh, but I will I will reserve my 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 more in depth opinion until I learn more. Yeah, I think it's very peculiar that the the feds are ready to go on this and they're actually asking for these to go forward. But California is saying, oh, we we haven't met, so nothing's been approved. So I know what it is. It. I know what it is, Rico. I figured it out. I know what it is. Gavin is holding out. Gavin's holding out because he wants more money from the federal government. To fund these studies and so that's what the whole holdup is it has to be about money it always is where's the, where's the money uh, where's the money going that's I'm, my question uh, i mean i don't know maybe maybe to ukraine or something i don't know uh. <laughs> 
What are your thoughts uh, uh, of Stone? Any at all? Yeah, like Yari, I don't think I'm I'm up on this enough to be valuable as a consumer. I, I mean, it it pisses you off. I mean, like cog in the wheel. Why are you slowing us down? Let's fucking go. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, they always say we don't have enough data. We don't have enough research on this. We don't have this. Yeah, we have the Hold funding on. for it. Once We're ready to go. We can't get it. Once we get that. Once we get that redacted document, I think we'll have all the studies that we need for all of it. We won't have to worry about any of this extra studies or anything anymore. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe in the redacted documents, there's aliens and they took over all of this. Is that what you're telling me? That'd be dope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna go to a commercial. I would rather I would rather the state be run by AI and aliens than Gavin Newsom. I mean, <laughs> how do you know? How do you know it's not currently that 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 is the state? How do you know Gavin's he not? Does, he, does, he does look rather reptilian, does he not? Oh man, oh man! You know, we're gonna <laughs> go to a commercial. Line. We're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. <laughs> oh man, that was weird. Hey, you America! Do I look like Sean Connery? <laughs> Good morning, America. Saman Razani coming to you live from sunny Los Angeles, California, with the one and only highest host, Mr. Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast? You can find it on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. No excuses in 2024. If you haven't checked us out, Check it out now. And also, check out what The Prophet's doing in 2024. Hey. Yeah, Stone, you got to stop with the Deltas, man. Tony, right. Tony. Up next, is the, is, it is the High at Nine head honcho, known for smoking the best weed in the world. He goes by White Gucci in Detroit, Gucci Blanco down at Mar-a-Lago. But out here, he's El Presidente. Come to the stage, Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Happy, happy Thursday. Man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. There's so much propaganda going on in the world today. And I think this article is some more propaganda. So I just want to share with you what they're trying to tell all these people because it's all bullshit. But nonetheless, they're saying that marijuana rescheduling doesn't open the door to big pharma takeover, a report says. That's right, you guys. They're saying the Biden administration's push to reclassify marijuana under federal law would not by itself open the door for pharmaceutical companies to seize control of the $34 billion legal U.S. cannabis industry. And we all know that's bullshit, but nonetheless. But moving from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3, Um, As has been widely reported, would promise tax relief to legal marijuana businesses. A report released on Tuesday by the Congressional Research Service confirms that we all knew that that would remove uh, 280E requirements. But nonetheless, beyond that, for the U.S. cannabis industry status quo to drastically change, Congress would need to take further action or the U.S. Department of Justice would have to launch a legal but unprecedented and impractical assault on state legal marijuana markets. The new report by Congress published. Public policy uh, think tank analyzes the legal consequences of the possible move of marijuana to Schedule 3. President Joe Biden's October 22nd executive order directing cabinet level executives or agencies to reevaluate marijuana status under federal law led to the landmark against 2023 recommendation from health regulators that marijuana be moved to Schedule 3 of the Controlled Substances Act. Schedule 3 drugs have been proven medical uh, applications and some potential for abuse according to that rescheduling recommendation. Rescheduling is now in the hands of the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, which is expected to issue a proposed change to federal law sometime this year. I think they're just gaslighting you guys on that sentence, but nonetheless, the potential rescheduling of marijuana has also led to widespread speculation about possible consequences, including fears of a takeover of the cannabis sector by Big Pharma. In quotes, with respect to medical marijuana, a key difference between placement in Schedule 1 and Schedule 3 is the substance in Schedule 3 have an accepted medical use and may lawfully be dispensed by prescription hear that you guys prescription while substances in schedule one cannot according to the congressional research service the crs report 
in a quote. However, prescription drugs, drugs must be approved by the Food Drug Administration, the FDA. Oh, here we go, you guys. Although FDA, in a quote, although FDA has approved some drugs derived from or related to cannabis marijuana itself, it is not an FDA-approved drug. Duh. The main direct effect of rescheduling is relief from 280E of the federal tax code, the CRS confirmed. Well, we've all said that. And uh, however, the CRS report uh, noted that moving marijuana from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3 without other legal changes would not bring the state legal medical or adult use marijuana industry into compliance with federal controlled substances laws. And other uh, collateral legal consequences would continue to attach to unauthorized marijuana related activities. Well, 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 you guys, I think this is just a big old BS headline that really has no weight, no meaning or whatnot, because ultimately the uh, every single product in cannabis would be governed under the uh, Food, Drugs, and Cosmetic Act, and therefore every single product would be deemed illicit under Schedule 3, in my opinion. But we even have a lawyer on stage, and I want to hear what you guys have to, ba- have to say about this. And this is Jason Beck for the High at 9 News. What do you guys think about this propaganda? It's more bureaucratic bullshit right? we've been dealing with for so long here. And people that think that 280E is, is enough reason to reschedule us have lost their minds i agree for years yeah. uh, university of mississippi produced government swag mm-hmm. and then when they had to expand it was like pulling it to get them to approve somebody else to grow weed for the official government market i don't see it being any different if they make it schedule three ain't none of these people that got a license right now going to be making large bets they're going to be getting a federal license to produce manufacture transport sell marijuana it'll be at pharmacies and you're going to have to get a federal license to grow weed Mm -hmm. as stupid as that sounds that's what dea has already suggested that's what the fda that in oversight bureaucracy is looking at they have a chance to screw something up they're going to do it i agree with you You, you know what i appreciate about dale in addition to his life history his daughter their contributions legally is that he can he can speak in the layperson's terms in a way that I understand. And so as I was taking notes, bureaucratic bullshit, I, I heard him say that in a way that was digestible for even my mind. And so I don't know how I could summarize it any better. Mm-hmm. Look at well, we that. got the fearless Dave here. Yeah, right. What do you think about this, Stone? Any thoughts? I think it's a scary proposition. I mean... Right now, everybody's operating, and you know, it's federally illegal. Everybody's operating, and so a lot of the argument is like, well, they're letting us do this, but it just it opens the door. It opens the door for a lot of bad shit to happen, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's scary. <laughs> Big Pharma's coming for your weed, and it's in the form of Schedule 3. Hey, and it'll be it, might, it might remove that mm-hmm. law to get some research done, though, right? No, no, no one cares about research, bro. We've been, we've been doing research on ourselves forever, and, and we're all totally fine. The research is done. Agreed. The research is... But like the last story, you got to get that last bureaucratic agency to check the box. Mm-hmm. And when they decide we're taking a year vacation, fuck you all. Yeah. Like, now what do you do? Exactly. Okay, now what do you do? You stand there with your standard on your virile member and nothing seems to move. Mm-hmm. What were you saying, Rico? You were just saying something? I think you're on mute or something. I can't hear you. I see, I see your lips moving, but I don't hear you. Mm-hmm. I think he was saying, like me, he's a tripod and he's been standing on his virile member for a long time. Oh, man. (laughs) It's only one foot, though. There's room for improvement. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, uh, since we can't hear Rico, I don't know what's happening, Rico. We cannot hear you. Check, check, check. Oh, there you go. Now we hear you. What did you have to say, Rico? All right. I said, if we've already searched for it, why do we have to research? Oh, I see what you did there. That's I see what, cute, cute, cute. Before the Pure Food and Drug Act, all research was anecdotal. Doctors talked to their patients. The patient said, yeah, I smoked some weed. I could breathe better or I had a better appetite or I didn't have as much pain or I wasn't as nauseous. And when, oh, maybe this works for nausea, for pain, for, you know, anorexia. Now we got to have 14 fucking bureaucracies sign off on something that everyone who smokes weed with an upset stomach knows. It helps your nausea, okay? It gives you an appetite. Oh, my God, that's rocket science, right? 
Mm-hmm. It's bureaucratic bullshit that just never seems to end. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's interesting that it says uh, this story was written by MJ Biz Daily staff, but nobody really wanted to claim that. No, they didn't because they know it's all propaganda. It's probably paid for by some uh, pharmaceutical industry or something, giving money to MJ Biz or something. You know what I mean? This is total propaganda piece. I'd like to see who this person is and actually see a debate. Pfizer. Go back and forth. Pfizer. Right? Pfizer. Pfizer. Pfizer already owes this industry. Mm-hmm. But none, we're going to keep this train rolling. We're going to roll right into Mr. Attorney Dale Schaefer. He's the founder of Armada Law Practice and at one point in time did some time for a cannabis crime. That's right. He's not just serving up the stew in the kitchen, but he's also that crazy <laughs> uncle, T.O. Loco. That's right. It is none other than Attorney <laughs> Dale Schaefer. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, just to add to the bureaucratic bullshit stories today, um, my story today comes out of Law 360, and if you didn't see this, then yesterday there was arguments before the Supreme Court, like a half day's worth of arguments, over reining in bureaucracies in, in the government. Um, there were uh, a couple of fishing companies that were ordered to pay for inspectors to be on their boat and they, they said, nah, that exceeds your uh, level of authority granted from Congress. They, they challenged it. And there was a doctrine called the Chevron Doctrine that was used to throw them out of court, basically. And what this doctrine stands for is that if the Congress passes a law and a situation comes up where the law is ambiguous about how to handle it, if a bureaucracy comes up with a reasonable regulation of how to handle it, the courts have to defer to the experts in the agency. And for all of us who have dealt with bureaucratic agencies, you know that calling experts in a, in a bureaucracy, uh, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. It turns out to be political. And so there's been fights now for years about how do we rein bureaucracies in. And what some of the argument here goes back to a case called Marbury versus Madison in the uh, Thomas Jefferson administration, where the Supreme Court Chief Justice said, look, we have the power and the right to look at any law Congress passes and hold it up to the Constitution. If it's not constitutional, we'll throw it out. We have three branches of government. Congress passes laws, they're Article I. The executive branch carries the laws out, they're Article II. And the courts are Article III. They take a look at the laws and they'll shit can them if they don't meet constitutional muster. Well, the Chevron Doctrine, it tied the hands of a court because even if a judge looked at a regulation and looked at the enabling statute and said, you know, this is ambiguous, but what I see happening here, I don't agree with, but as long as it's reasonable, I can't say anything. The bureaucracy wins every time. Well, about a year and a half ago, there was a case, uh, West Virginia versus the EPA went to the Supreme Court. And West Virginia argued that the Environmental Protection Act does not give the EPA the authority to change the way that energy is produced in this country. The uh, generational change, they called it. This is a big question. It's got to go back to Congress for Congress to grant you the authority to do what this regulatory agency is doing. Okay. Now, this is a bit of that same theme in that these, these boat owners who were herring fishermen, they were forced to pay for an inspector to be on the boat, and they said, no, you don't have the authority to do that. We're going to challenge it. Okay. So the court yesterday, we now have a conservative majority and I've been warning people, telling them for a while, that this conservative majority is going to take a baseball bat to some of these longstanding principles. The Chevron Doctrine has been part of administrative law since 1984. And judges complain bitterly about it. But in our system, when the Supreme Court says something, you kind of have to follow it. Okay. Well, the government argued, oh, this would just mess everything up. People would sue everybody. It would be a terrible problem. And the, the affected party said, hang on, at what point does the government's authority run out? These regulatory agencies are off, too far off the front of their surfboard. We need to stop this kind of nonsense. Now, 
If you look at anybody that was writing about this yesterday, they were all trying to read the tea leaves. What does a question mean? What does an answer mean? I honestly don't know. I think this court is is primed right now to require these agencies to have a clear directive from Congress through enabling statutes. And if you don't have that, I think they're going to figure out a way to determine what's ambiguous about a statute and what's reasonable and find a middle ground here at a minimum. So this is the continuing argument about how much power the administrative uh, bureaucracies out there have. How can you check that power? And this tension point between businesses trying to run where the regulations kill the business, like the cannabis industry, and the, the legislative body's power to control some particular area of human business and interaction. So it's kind of deep. We'll watch this because it's going to very much affect a lot of agency, administrative agencies around the, the country, and it should have some spillover effect into states. The um, catalyst is sort of the same problem where an agency decides to change the rules in midstream and then make a retroactive and you go, hang on, hang on, you can't be doing this shit. Well, let's see if the courts will step in. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 did Dale just froze on us. That was his finishing argument. That That's it. how he does it. He just freezes the screen like it's a mic drop, only it's visual. I think it was. I think it was. It was Gavin and did, did it to him because he started talking about uh, all of this, all of this government control and everything. Just incited to oh, get him. No, there, we back. Are, there we back. There he is. <laughs> I don't. I didn't yeah. do anything special. I swear. <laughs> Looking stupid like the to loco that I am. <laughs> Oh man, Dale. I mean, so with this, with with, with this case, th this could this could definitely have long-lasting implications, and, and and could also too. Um, let, let's just say if the Catalyst case, um, was gone through and the, and uh was given a unfavorable ruling, then what you're telling me is if if this case happened afterwards, it could actually reverse that unfavorable ruling due to the fact that it's the Supreme Court. Am I correct on that? Well, it, it's apples and oranges. <clears throat> California doesn't suffer from the Chevron rule. Oh, we, we have different issues to deal with. But at a federal level, you know, and when cannabis, we've got the Department of Agriculture, we've mm -hmm. got the Food and Drug Administration, we've got HHS, we've got the DEA. All of these agencies have promulgated regulations, okay? And each of them have said things about cannabinoids that we've had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And when this Chevron rule is put into place, if there's any reasonableness about their uh, regulations, then the court's hands are tied. I just don't think that's correct. We've battled in court many times over the Controlled Substances Act, and we're fighting the DEA, and all the courts will say, well, the DEA has the authority to, you know, to oversee this, and we're going to force them to go to the next step. We can never challenge any of the underlying rules and regulations, we just were standing there on our virile member after putting on a great case. Mm -hmm. I think we'll have some more room now to challenge these at the court level. And if a district court judge says, I don't care what your experts say, this is, you know, in legal terms, it's bullshit. We're not going to uphold this regulations. It's being thrown out. And you can go back to Congress and ask for the specific authority to do what you're trying to do right now. I think that would give a lot more power to the average person and to businesses to have a fighting chance in a battle like this. Fair enough. Fair enough. You had any thoughts on this, Yarrow? I do. Okay. Uh, when he says that the court's hands are tied, but he's already used that expression, virile member, twice, I'm thinking the courts are actually in furry handcuffs and that this ruling might unlock those. It's interesting for me because as I explore my own opinions and thoughts around this, I'm not totally opposed to regulatory agencies passing through to business the cost of regulating those businesses. The line in the sand for me is when regulatory agencies create revenue-producing fee structures that actually exceed the cost of them regulating those businesses. So that's kind of where, where my line in the sand is. Well, they have to provide for all those services that they gaslight everybody about, Yarrow. How else are they going to pay for those? 
Well, he said it was a Chevron ruling. So for gaslighting, Chevron is a major uh, provider of gas. So I think we're good. <laughs> Mixed metaphor. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. Mm-hmm. You guys are. You guys are. Well, as an attorney, it's just very disappointing to get into court, put a great case on, and the judge goes, "That's wonderful," but I have to defer to an agency which has flip flopped like a fish out of water with every political administration that comes in. That's how this tends to come in. They put in their own heads of these agencies, and then they start passing rules and regulations that may be outside the bounds of the enabling statute. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I hear all of that. I'm just happy that the flip-flopping of fishes is not yet another trip to Alaska undisclosed for Supreme Court justice. And so at least they're in their chambers and doing their job versus uh taking a billionaire's jet to yet another uh uh vacation what's the matter with taking billionaires jets places bro how do you think we get around because they land you in islands and they put your name on it and then they hide your name oh boy (laughs) they have little children there that no one wants you to know about yes and Epstein didn't kill himself. Epstein, yeah, that's no. true. Epstein did not kill no. himself. That's true. Not in a secure federal uh, facility <laughs> that I was in. No, he didn't do it. No. Not in the suicide watch area either. No. Me either. Not buying that. Not buying that. But there is there is a crazy epidemic that's been happening across the country that's called suicidedness. I thought it was called Clinton side. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's another, it's, another day. Yeah, it's the same, same, same thing. Same thing. Same thing. But on that, we're going to go to a commercial. <laughs> we're going to be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Uh, stop whatever you're doing make sure you hit that like button i know that youtube would appreciate it you will appreciate it deep down in your heart of hearts and we will appreciate it also also make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're not subscribed already and all of the articles that you see on today's show that you can read directly on our website at www.hyatnightnews.com and this friday we will be at finos in modesto for the launch of profit over there from 3 to 7 p.m so make sure you stop by and say hi I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah. You know what it is. We just stretched, and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Oh boy. He's rapping now. Oh man. Yeah, he got boss. Watch out for Yaro's next album coming up. For real. Mm-hmm. You with us, Rico? We still you're still on mute, Rico. What's going on with your sound, bro? You okay? You all right? He don't want to talk to us. He doesn't want to talk to us. I think it's the glasses. He doesn't want to talk to us. I think it's the glasses. I think it's because he's got those. No, yellow it's the new hat. In. It's like the new. It's a new fire hat he's yellow, wearing. And yellow, he just wants to. It's the yellow lenses, bro. It has to be the yellow lenses. Y'all can hear me? No, now we hear you. you hear now. Yeah, we hear you now. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for honoring us with your with your with your voice, brother. Thank you. Discord, Discord screwing up this morning, man. Yeah, I was blame it say, on so Discord. Blame it on Discord. There's so much sorrow. Blame it on Discord. With Yara. Oh boy. But straight out of the great purple state of Texas, straight out of the great uh, purple state of Texas, this man decided Delta 8 dab sashes on the on the rooftop were not the future for him. So this Austin-based dope dad hit the high road. And you know what? Come to the stage next is the host of the same name of the same damn show, my man, Stone Slade. <laughs> Thank you, Rico. Good morning. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome, Hyatt 9 listeners and viewers. 
Today I'm discussing the significant disparity between the illicit and legal cannabis markets in the U.S., as highlighted by New Frontier Data's latest report, which is also called Captain Obvious. It's no surprise to most of us that the illicit market outshines the legal, the legal sales. In 2022, illicit cannabis sales soared to $74 billion, dwarfing legal sales, which stood at about $28 billion. This gap of 164% represents an opportunity for legal operators to tap into a market that has largely been reliant on unregulated channels Despite legalization efforts, a vast segment of cannabis consumers still turn to the illicit to illicit sources, especially here in Texas. Uh, consumer insights from New Frontier Data Survey show an a compressive in a, a comprehensive survey of over 5,500 a US. The New Frontier data sheds light on consumer behaviors. 42% of consumers buy cannabis from state-regulated markets. 34% live in adult use markets, 8% are in medical market are medical market patients. 24% have legal access but opt for unregulated sources. 17% in adult use markets and 7% in medical markets don't use the state's programs. 34% I think it's higher than that. 34% lack adequate access in their home states, highlighting a need for policy reform. The report identifies four key barriers in attracting frequent gray market customers to legal dispensaries. One is price. Consumers frequently uh, frequenting gray market sources often uh, are often the most avid consumers, and, and they're affected by high inflation, low income, or lack of access. Le uh, legal retailers facing challenges offer competitive pricing can't offer a competitive price. Excuse me, due to taxation levels. Product variety. Legal dispensaries can attract consumers by offering a range of products, including non-flower items like vape cartridges and topicals. Number three, product quality. High-quality illicit cannabis from California sets the bar for legal retailers who need to offer top strains and freshness, especially for seasoned customers. And number four, accessibility. Many gray area customers live in urban areas and without convenient access to dispensaries. Local regulatory changes and innovative solutions like shuttle services could bridge this gap. For example, locations with high popular of, uh, population of senior citizens like Leisure World in Seal Beach, California, lo uh, local dispensaries there offer regular sh shuttle services to bring customers into stores to address this group's primary barrier to retail shopping. Now. There's a significant untapped market among potential new adult customers. 39% in adult use states are open to trying cannabis. Edibles are the uh, often the most preferred product, followed by topicals, beverages, and tinctures. Dispensaries could attract these new, often older, suburban customers with the right marketing of non-flower products. Now, my personal take, my, uh, concluding on a personal note, the persistent strength of the illicit market is a direct consequence of the government's initial implementation of cannabis prohibition. By continuing to overtax legal cannabis and creating obstacles like potency limits, potency limits and higher charges, charging higher prices for stronger THC products, the government inadvertently fuels the growth of the illicit market. This short-sighted approach driven by greed hampers the development of an ideal legal market. The only real beneficiary in this, this situation is the, is the illicit market. Stay high with us. It's high at nine news for more insightful details. Ooh, I smoked a big one today. I'm Stone Slade for the high at nine news. Oh man, Stone Slade. I mean, they're saying that the they're saying that the that for every legal pound that's sold, that three are sold in the in the trap market. Is that is 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 that the, what they're trying to say in this? That's about the math there. Yes, I, I'm willing to bet that it's more than that. Higher, way more, higher. way more than that. Yeah. I mean, this way. is a peak. It's a peak of what's happening, but definitely those numbers are way higher. I think the numbers, the, the numbers got to be way higher, especially when you look at how these cops do math with all these busts that we cover. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, just one. They, they don't really, they don't really add up, man. Yeah, like this is. Uh, I feel like ten to one. Man, this is—is is this propaganda Thursday, you guys? <laughs> I think I think it might be. You see, man, propaganda Thursday. Mm-hmm. Well, these statistics yeah. just confirm. What uh, we all know, the trap always wins. Mm -hmm. And these bureaucrats who think that they can legislate people's morals and what they're going to do, they should have learned that from Abe Lincoln and Mark Twain 150 years ago. It don't work. It can't work. 
So if you don't make it easy for people to get what they want, they're going to get it in ways you don't want them to. And I've said this to so many um, legislators and city council members and supervisors, and it's like it goes in one ear and out the other. Yeah, but we don't like it, so we're going to do this. Yeah, okay, well, then the trap's going to continue to kick your ass. Mm -hmm. And these numbers are low. <laughs> they are low for the trap market. Uh, and I don't know why they're so they're so slow to learn this. It ain't rocket they science. Had, they they had to lie with the numbers because they wanted to seem like the trap wasn't winning like Trump is. Oh, uh, couldn't you call these numbers conservative? Well, Adam say? gives me a sound effect. Yeah. He's been missing the whole time. Where's Adam at? <laughs> He's <Stop> here. Cow. <laughs> He's feathering his Before hair. Before the yeah. legal market started, guys, in criminal He finally stopped brushing his hair. Criminal justice terms, if 10% of your population is violating a prohibition, you can't enforce it. So the numbers are always, we're at 8% illegally smoke weed, and we're all going, fuck, it's 30%. You're fucking crazy, okay? Now we see statistics being massaged again, and it just confirms that people want to smoke weed. They're going to smoke weed. If you make it hard and expensive to get it, they're going to find it from somebody that's easier and cheaper. Mm -hmm. That's the trap market. And it's like, burn this to the inside of your eyelids policymakers, you cannot legislate people's morality. Yep. And Period. Not, Stop and, it. And, and not to mention that, just by just by the fact of the enormously high tax rates that are in pretty much every single state market, um, the, the, the trap has to be way bit bigger than three to one. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet they should start at a conservative number of 10 to one. Yeah. Well, how do you know? Because who's going to tell you? It's like admitting you're gay in the 60s to some people. It's like, no, I'm not, I may be, but I ain't going to admit that, you know? Okay. And for me, I smoked weed when I was, you know, practicing law, and I people around went to the bench, and they could never admit they were out in my suburban smoking weed with me because mm -hmm. you just couldn't say it. And so you wouldn't be honest about what you were doing. Come on, man. Yeah, you're owning up to your own failure, right? Oh, man. And yeah, that... No, you own it up to, I like good weed, so let's, you know, I'll have a beer, but let's go out in my, my car and smoke a blunt. <laughs> mm. And on that, we're, yeah, we're going gonna... to... I think that's what's behind the, the, the bad numbers. Yeah, and on that, we're going to go move right on to a commercial, and we're going to be right back. Get ready for the 20-year anniversary celebration of the Emerald Cup. The Emerald Cup will be held at the Henry J. Kaiser Center for the Arts in downtown Oakland, May 4th and 5th. Get your tickets now for best pricing. Cannabis categories include flour, pre-rolls, solventless concentrates, solvent concentrates, cartridges, edibles, topicals, tinctures, and alternative cannabinoids. So enter early for your chance to be a winner at the 20-year anniversary Emerald Cup competition. Nice, nice. Well, coming up next, we got the man that's right that you love to hate. It's is the man that Joe Biden would love to silence just for acknowledging he even existed. That's right, it's the man, Mr. Tony Montega. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, because somewhere around the world, that is truly what time it is, and I am here with the rest of my hosts, and we want to thank you guys for being high with us at 9 a.m. California time. Let's get into my story, <clears throat> and it is titled, Lawmakers uh, Propose Raising Georgia's Legal Age to Buy Medical Marijuana to 21. Lawmakers have introduced new legislation aiming to raise the age of Georgians uh, have to be, the age of Georgians have to be uh, to buy medical marijuana. Right now, you have to be 18 years old to legally purchase the drug and other hemp products, but Senate Bill 350 would raise that to 21. Back in October, Georgia became the first state in the country to allow independent pharmacies to sell cannabis and hemp products. Patients would be able to buy cannabis oil and uh, I'm sorry, oil at pharmacies if they show a state-issued low THC oil registry card and identification. The Georgia Board of Pharmacy began accepting applications from businesses that month, and over 100 pharmacies have agreed to provide uh, medication from, um, medications from, I'm sorry, botanical sciences. 
one of the state's two licensed production companies after they submitted application inspections of the pharmacies will be required before the board grants. Let me just make this a little bit bigger. I'm sorry, you guys. I got bad. I need reading glasses. While the state has approved the drug and pharmacies, the Federal Drug Enforcement Administration sent a memo telling pharmacies that dispensing the uh, dispensing the cannabis would violate federal law and make and may lead to arrests or fines. Medical marijuana is only available to Georgians with approval from a, pharma, uh, from, uh, from a physician to treat severe illnesses, including seizures, terminal cancer, Parkinson's disease, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Low THC oil can contain no more than 5% THC, <clears throat> the compound that gives users a high. Georgians, Georgia's first medical marijuana dispensary opened in April 2023. Seven dispensaries are currently open across the state. You can read the proposed Senate bill, which is a link below. For everyone watching, my opinion is I don't think that kids 18 years of age should be having any kind of uh, tobacco products. But then again, they're able to go fight our wars. They're able to go die for us. So to me, I have mixed emotions with it because... <clears throat> In one breath, if you don't think that they're responsible enough to uh, consume uh, medical marijuana, then you should have that same approach when it comes to war. If you feel like they're young and they're still immature and they don't understand what it is that they're doing, then when we're sending our children off to fight, you should be saying the same thing. You should be saying the same exact thing. So for me, <clears throat> I'm, I'm kind of up in the air with this, you guys. I do think that we... Uh, we definitely shouldn't allow people who are young to be able to uh, just go and buy stuff. But I think that maybe we should just keep it at 18. They can go fight and die for us. They should be able to at least smoke. That's my take on it. What do you think? I think that I think the key key word here is uh, medical, mm -hmm. and you shouldn't have an age limit. Exactly. Mm, That's yeah. the thing. They're they're they're. They're admitting this is a medical. This is a medical thing. It's, it's a, you have to go through the steps to be approved by your doctor and be prescribed this. They're admitting it's medical, right. but then on the flip side, they're not. They're they're just like, mm -hmm. no, you can't have that. If your if your doctor says that that's what you need to treat your ailments, why would you keep somebody from getting that that treatment? I, I don't understand it. You're okay to have the pharmaceuticals, but this yeah. this is not for you. That's stupid, Georgia. Yeah, yeah, and this argument, this this whole this conversation is the whole reason why when we legalized in California, they chose to say adult use and not recreational, specifically because they have mm. adult use. You want to enjoy the stuff. You want to go out and smoke freely, um, socializing like it is an alcoholic beverage. Put it in the alcoholic beverage lane. But other mm -hmm. than that, if it's medicine, it's whoever needs that medicine should have access to it. In my, well, they opinion. can still get access to it, but whether they walk into a dispensary and buy it. Safe access, yeah. Uh, at 18 to 21, that's a difference. Because right now, if you're eight, under 18, you got to have a caregiver going in and buy it for you in California in a medical facility. Right, right. I think right. there's still access. It's just, do you have free access to walk in there with your medical card and your ID and then go in and buy whatever you want? Um, th this is, again, a, a lot more bureaucratic nonsense. Um, when I was in high school, we didn't have any dispensaries. People had weed, we bought it from them. <laughs> You know, it wasn't like it's the trap, the trap, the trap. And these are just more of these nonsensical rules that, um, you know, I, I don't know how we fix this. And Tony, you're right. I, I was the first um, group of people that were allowed in 1972 to vote. And before that, we were all being drafted to go fight in Vietnam. And we didn't mm -hmm. have shit to say about till we were 21. So I, I agree with some those principles that if you're old enough to go fight, you should be able to do a lot of things. We take them in to fight because, you know, humans are violent animals, and especially young males, you can get them to violence very quickly. You get to my age and somebody says, I want you to go attack that. My response is, yeah, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. I ain't doing it, okay? That's why they take young men in because they're stupid and they'll go kill because you tell them to. Yeah, well, I mean, at my age, to enjoy the beverage. Thing... Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, at my age, the only thing I'm attacking is a piece of brisket. So I totally get that. <laughs> I really agree with what, what Tony had to say. And, and, and I, I was really grateful that this was the article that he chose to cover because I knew that we were going to have this argument about uh, tethering our concept of being an adult to this notion that you could go and bleed for this country. And science has advanced since then and shown that the brain doesn't fully develop until 25. 
And so I think we need to bifurcate this between medical and recreational. I'm not opposed to increasing the age for recreationally intoxicating substances because I like a I'm a parent and I recognize that um, some of these ideas around age are antiquated. You know, people were married in their teens back in, you know, a hundred years ago. Right. And so our concept of what makes sense for society has continued to evolve. Um, so I think medical, we keep that separate, but I think recreational, I'm even in favor of increasing the age it takes to access guns, right? Like our brains are not fully formed. And so uh, I get that, that we're still allowing uh, young men and women to die on behalf of this country early. Uh, but I think when it comes to um, psychotropic substances, it's worth having a, a robust debate around uh, the, the physiology and what makes sense for when it's safe for people to start consuming intoxicants. I just want to say too that uh, to y'all's point, and for people who are watching who may not know, because I think maybe he he may maybe y'all may not know either. Different states do have gun restrictions on ages. Like in Texas, you can only have a rifle at 18. You cannot have a sidearm until you are 21 years of age. So there are states that require you to do certain things. But I do appreciate the fact that you brought up recreational from medical, because in terms of recreational, I do believe that yeah, we could raise it up. But I think that this whole thing here is just. Um, politicians uh, trying to find a way to appease the people who are complaining to them about the usage of marijuana uh, as a whole. And the only way they could try to fake fix the problem is, hey, we'll raise the age for people getting medical marijuana. Meanwhile, it is a medicine. Like, literally, people are using it for medical purposes. So it, it's not about fixing the problem. It's about masking it with a solution that they know ultimately will do absolutely nothing. But it will have people silenced because they will be able to say, well, we took these measures in order to try to combat what was going on with kids or whatever the case may be. But it's all for BS. That's just my opinion. you know. But I really appreciate the fact that he brought up recreational from medical. And I do uh, agree, as far as what Rico said, that it should be for any age if it's medical, man. We're not supposed to hide medicine from someone because they're at a younger age or, or older age. You know, medicine is medicine. Yeah. And, uh, well, and, and I'll point out that even on this call, uh, I mean, I was a parent. I raised children. I got grandchildren now. Um, and I've used weed since I was in high school. I've seen a lot of things happen. And we're really ready to entertain the thought of kicking it up to say 25, but the trap's going to go, yeah, well, step around the corner and I got some weed for you. So even within our own group here, which is trying to make this accessible, we still discuss things that the trap will go, yeah, I don't give a fuck what you guys have to say. You know, step around the corner, you got 20 bucks, I got an eighth for you, okay? And it's, there's no way to solve this because humans want to do this, okay? And there's a lot of people who were convinced that it's like depleted uranium. Oh, my God. If we open the little bottle a little bit, the world's going to come to an end. And the response is, look around and go, I've been smoking weed for years. What the fuck are you talking about? It's, we've been using it for thousands of years we know about. Nobody's ever died. We don't come out with a fucking arm coming out our forehead like you do with a lot of other drugs we've invented. Stop it. Okay, just stop. Yeah, just just stop, right? Like stop the cap, huh? All of that. They just stop the yeah. cap. Mm -hmm. Five percent limit. Shit, that's near beer. Mm -hmm. Like fucking near beer. Michael, I mean, Michael Jordan would say, "Stop it. Get oh. some help." <laughs> oh boy, I, I, you know, I, I'm a big believer that if you're if you're of the age to go and fight for the country, then um, and and you're able to, you should be able to uh to take whatever substance that, that that you want for 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 whatever reason in regards to that that's just just my my thought on it but nonetheless nonetheless we got to keep this train keep rolling yeah you ready rico let's do it so bring us home today it's the man some call the sebastopol sage He's a second-generation cultivator and founder of Special Teams Consulting. And if you look at the Great Wall behind him, I'm sure you're going to find a whole lot of fine china. Coming to the stage, it is Yaro Kubrin. Man, those intros just keep getting better and better. And I am feeling validated like a parking ticket at a fancy restaurant. <laughs> so thank you, Rico, and uh, really a pleasure to well, be it is, here. It is peaking duck day, Yara. It is, right? 
And by the way, I love Peking duck. Um, Does that mean so you're taking this to Mr. Viewers. Chow's? You guys are all taking hey, this to Mr. Chow's. Thank I'm you. I'm a dine and dash. I'll go there and let you pay for it. <laughs> um, so thank you, Hyatt Nine viewers. Good morning. Good morning. It's Thursday, January 18th. This is Yaro Kuber and Hyatt Nine News. My article today is a follow-up from one of my extra spicy rants from last week as I continue to track Wisconsin. Wisconsin Republicans appear to be at an impasse over medical marijuana legalization plans, according to the Associated Press. Wisconsin Republicans are at an impasse over a proposal to legalize medical marijuana. Assembly Speaker Robin Vose said Tuesday that he would not compromise with Senate Republicans to address their concerns with his proposal. Senate Majority Leader Devin Lamathu, maybe, last week said the bill's proposed creation of state-run dispensaries was a, quote, non-starter. Voss said at a news conference that months and months of negotiations resulted in a very detailed bill he proposed that has a minimum 50 votes needed to pass amongst Republicans. Ta taking and negotiating the bill means we probably lose votes in our caucus, Voss said. So I'd rather get us through to keep the promise we made, which is to have a, comp a comprehensive bill that can actually become law, as opposed to an ethereal idea that maybe somebody could support someday, but it never actually makes it anywhere. Lamethu last week said he was open to making changes to the bill in an effort to find a compromise that could pass in the Senate. The highly restrictive bill would limit medical marijuana to severely ill people with chronic diseases such as a, uh, cancer and allow for it to be dispensed at just five state-run businesses. Smokable marijuana would not be allowed. The proposal would limit the availability of marijuana to people diagnosed with certain diseases, including cancer, HIV, AIDS, glaucoma, multiple sclerosis, inflammatory bowel disease, severe muscle spasms, chronic pain or nausea, and those with terminal illnesses and less than a year to live. Wisconsin remains an outlier nationally. 38 states have legalized medical marijuana and 24 have legalized recreational marijuana. The push for legalization in Wisconsin has gained momentum as its neighbors have loosened their law. The measure would need to pass the Senate and the Assembly and be signed by Governor Tony Evers to become law. Evers, who, like many Democrats, is a proponent of full legalization, said this month he would support medical marijuana only, but was noncommittal on the Assembly's plan. When it comes to cannabis policy, personally, I have seen the future and the present, okay? If Wisconsin's policy was a TV, it would be a black and white without a remote and with rabbit ears, okay? Wisconsin's state motto is forward, forward reflecting Wisconsin's continuous drive to be a national leader. And it adopted that motto as its official motto in 1851. I'm going to rename you backwards. And wait, there's no flower in five state-run stores? For an area that is almost 55,000 square miles, that is one store for every 10,000 square miles. Oh, yeah, that's patient access. And with a population of almost 6 million residents, that is a store for every 1.2 million people. That sounds like access. The state bird of Wisconsin is the robin, but now I think it is more likely a cuckoo bird or a dodo bird. The state fruit is a cranberry, and that's perfect because your politicians are giving me a UTI, a painful burning sensation when I vacate <laughs> my bladder. At first, I thought this was an indecent proposal. I have now concluded that policymakers in Wisconsin, when it comes to cannabis, are incompetent and incapable of making sound decisions, and I'd fire them all when it comes time to vote. When it comes to medical cannabis, if Wisconsin can't succeed as a state, it should succeed as a state and practice succession and just get out of our imperfect but wonderful union. Or for those like Jason Beck, to put it in Trumpian terms, you're fired. 
This is Yaro Kubrin. Uh, High at night news. I'd like to hear what you guys think. I mean, I mean, Yaro, I think this sounds great. If you're a retailer, I think this is a fantastic proposal. I mean, I mean, you're gonna have plenty, plenty of customers lining up at your doors. Just day run stores is like Russian bakeries. You it get is. Exactly. Exactly. You get what? You get what? Yeah, you only Cut get out there. You only you only can buy two puffs at a time, Rico. Two puffs. Yeah, two puffs. That's yeah. it. We know the state does a good job at everything it sets its mind to, especially industries it has zero experience in. Mm-hmm. That. <laughs> you got anything? Well, in, all I'm gonna say is that uh, the trap, the thing, the trap will win off of this. You said one store per one million some odd people, and in between that one store, there's like a million trapsters uh, supplying demand, mm -hmm. winning. The trap wins. All Yaro has said to you guys after reading this is that they are very stupid on the government level, but the trap wins. So I, I think I think basically the, the summary from this story is that is that Stone needs to go back and re-edit his story because there's no way that with this law going in place that it would be three to one. Is that is that hey, is that what I'm, I'm just, hearing? I'm just using the numbers that they that they, they published. Okay, the, the, the numbers They're, that they, they published. They want you to know it's winning. They don't want you to know how bad it's winning. Yeah, <laughs> I, I bet you. Yeah, I bet. I bet she's probably with 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 a legislation like that. I mean, it's it's got to be going up to twenty five to one, thirty to one. Like this, the trap is just keep on clocking. Shout out to Troy clocking. Lawrence in the chat. He said trapping and uh, trap. He said trapping and constant. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to you. I see you. We see we see you guys in the chat. Thank you for everybody yeah. that's been in the chat too. One hundred percent. One hundred. Yeah, the is doing the doing the thing. Jason, I got a question. I got a quick question for you, man. Before sure. we, uh, Go for check it. Check out here today. Go for it, Rico. These Republicans. Yeah. Your people. Your people. Yeah. They are so quick to pass all these protectionist laws, all these crazy things. So quick on every issue except for cannabis. What what's the holdup? Say passing protectionist issues. What do you? I mean, Democrats pass a lot of passing these protectionist issues. bills everywhere uh, that have no data behind them, like all different kinds of. Well, things see, that's that, that's 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 the difference. Immediately, that's, they want to be quick to that's act the on everything except for cannabis. That's, what, that, that, why the hold up with cannabis? I'm going to tell you what the what the problem is, Rico. Is that a lot of these people are posing as Republicans? They are not true Republicans because if they were, they would care about freedom and liberty and the Constitution, <laughs> and that would be their main hmm. focus, and not whatever their political agenda or whatever lobbyist is paying them off to feel some sort of way they're and why right is that rhinos. Donald, why, why is donald trump not uh move forward on it then he has moved forward on he's it. not president yeah he's he, not president hold right on, now hold on, but, but, when, but, when, but, but when he did hold on a second but, hold justice. on a second but when he was president he did he did do a number of things he actually legalized cannabis with uh marijuana mitch and the farm bill even though a no, lot of people don't really no, want to no, admit no, that no. not to mention he also included thc in nafta 2.0 so it's already able to be exported once we have federal legalization so therefore under president the, trump, trump even did read that document can I, what's the over under? He even read that document. He doesn't read anything. Let me tell you something. President Trump. Everybody, everybody, President Trump, everybody in his cabinet said he does not here's read. The, here's the reality. President Trump has done more for cannabis just with those two things than any Democrats have done for cannabis as much as they pander to voters. But he, didn't he didn't move forward on it, and he still has yet to take in take a stance on it because he's waiting so, to so see. So the call memo he's doesn't matter, Jason. No, the call memo so the does call not matter. No, the call no, the call memo actually means is absolutely nothing. And I've I've said this for years. The call memo is nothing, and they use it as a propaganda piece to try to steer people and whatnot. The only thing that actually matters is Rohrbacher Farr, which is now McClintock, Pol uh, McClintock, um, and Blumenhauer, which is the federal appropriations bill that prohibits the DOJ and DEA from extrapolating federal funds to go after state licensed cannabis businesses. That's the only Which thing that matters. Which is bipartisan. The coal memo, yeah, exactly, it is. You're correct about that. But the coal memo, the coal memo has is absolutely nothing. It's basically all you can do with that is wipe your ass with it. Well, uh, I'm just going to let you know, the, the data and the facts are just showing me that, you know, Republicans just want to logjam up the process and they just want to be obstructionists across the board maybe they're just constipated rico maybe they're just constipated yeah that's maybe. where the log is all yeah, right exactly maybe they're just jam <laughs> that log up in there right mm -hmm. yeah. exactly maybe they need to say hello again 
I guess so. But yeah. uh, thank you all for joining us for another yet, yet another episode of High at Nine News. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments posted live on the big screen to our live audience and supporters online, catching us across all media platforms, tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. To our vetted correspondent team, tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective, your respected opinions to the table as well. To our production team, cloud media partners, all the sponsors, keeping our lights on and AV struggles to a minimum. And of course, my man, Adam, back there, brushing the hell out of that hair, making sure it's feathered up like the biggest bird on Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> always, Sativa L, the reason the Hyatt 9 News team reads these headlines every single day. Thank you, too. It has been Thursday, January 18th, 2024. The show's over. You've all been blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope is enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow, except for Wisconsin. Sorry, sorry, Republicans. <laughs> My name is Rico Lamita, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News, cannabis industry's number one daily news show. And we're going to pop it right back out to my man, Tony Montaga. You going to take us out today, my man? What you got? Tony, is Tony on mute? Is Tony on mute? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm here. I'm okay. here, you guys. That was just something. That, so listen, I'm sorry, you guys. That was, I'm dealing with White House stuff. I had to mute the mic. But I want to say this to everybody watching right now. Please listen. The best thing about you guys out there is that all of you have the opportunity to make today the best day you possibly have. I hope that every single person that you touch, you touch them with positivity, and I hope that you exhibit patience throughout the day. From all of us here at High Nine News to all of you that, that are out there watching, we are thankful for all of the support and all the viewership. We love every single last one of you. God bless you all. Peace.